On this episode of The Deviants, Brad and I went to CES, and we're going to tell you all about it. Welcome to episode two of The Deviants, live on tape from uh, Chicago's Wicker Park neighborhood. I'm Brad Eschbach from Social Deviant, and I have with me Mr. Patty O'Rourke. Yeah, Patrick O'Rourke. I haven't gone by Patty in many I years. I said it. That was my announcer voice going yeah. on. <laughs> I also like the concept of live on tape, because that yeah. is something like Coach. Remember that show from the 80s? Yes. Coach? They always said live on tape, didn't exactly. they? Exactly. I yeah. really went into like television announcer. Yeah, mode. you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is episode two of our ongoing series of podcasts where we just try to break down uh, some of the myths and some of the confusion in the social world, which is kind of the world that we live in. Social Deviant is a content agency based in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and we help brands figure out how to internet like a yep. boss. Yep. Uh, Making the internet a better place for both the brands and the people who have to use it. Exactly. Um, and so this week, what we're going to talk about last week, we talked about kind of some of the trends that we were excited about for the next year. But this week, we want to talk about somewhere where Pat and I just got back from, Viva Las Vegas. Pat, why were we in Vegas? CES 2016. Consumer Electronics Show. That's you right. You guys are probably familiar. It's pro- I think it's one of the biggest trade shows that there is in the United States. Definitely one of the biggest tech trade shows on Earth, um, and so we went down there for a, a quick seventy-two hours in the desert to just kind of see what's going on, see mm-hmm. if we could get ahead of some trends, see uh, what we need to prepare our clients for in the next year. And so we just wanted to share with you guys: we got a big report coming out, which you're probably seeing along with this link to this podcast. Uh, but for the sake of this conversation, we just wanted to talk about what is the stuff that we really liked. What did what was really speaking to us? Where did we want to stand in line on the trade floor? What is what is the stuff that we wanted to know more about? And then maybe we might also kind of hint at some of the things that were just the worst. <laughs> well, uh, CES, you know, something I didn't know. This is my first time there, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, and Me something too. I didn't realize about CES is there's all these thought leaders and like very um, innovative products coming out. And then there's a million Me Too products and like cheap things that you would see at a defunct Radio Shack. That stuff is everywhere as well. Uh, <laughs> karaoke equipment. Yeah. There was karaoke equipment everywhere. Entire booths of it. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's a weird... So CES, for people that haven't been, and like Pat said, it was his first time. It was also my first time being there. It's the Consumer Electronics Show. So it has started out in the 80s where it was mainly, you know, the beginning of the PC revolution. Companies like IBM and most of these companies that don't even exist anymore were kind of driving it. Now, the year 2016, it's in a weird spot where you've got the electronics companies so a Samsung and an LG and a Sony and a Canon, all the ones that you kind of expect are there with the big booths and the big presences. But then you also have this the Silicon Valley kind yeah. of push. You have the tech companies coming in, the software companies. So Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat had their logo on the side of the Luxor Hotel. They did. Boom Beach. That Boom. game oh. Boom Beach was everywhere. And I've noticed it here on the CTA now too. So they must have yep. just started a huge marketing campaign. But anywhere you looked at CES, you saw that new Boom Beach villain guy standing around. Exactly. So it's a bunch of hardware people walking around, bunch of engineers, bunch of buyers and stuff like that. Uh, but it's kind of slowly being eaten by the software world. So it's interesting. Yep. All the keynotes, all the big presentations are, you know, from 
companies like Samsung, companies like uh, uh, Volkswagen, people that make things. Um, yeah. But then all of the meetings and all of the, you know, the kind of client um, shenanigans were all happening with the software companies, Facebook, Twitter, they're kind of doing some damage control and things like that. So what's interesting is for us as working in digital marketing, digital advertising, and mainly on the software side um, and, and producing content, it was an interesting us trying to kind of find where are the things that are going to have the most impact on our stuff, on our work, on our lives in the next six months versus what are some cool things that might be in our car two years from yeah. now, but not necessarily relevant to what we do. So what we want to do is we kind of have three buckets that we want to talk about today uh, of some of the best content that we, or some of the best things that we saw, the things that we wanted to try to steal and put in our bags and take home with us. So let's just dive right in. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Pat, let's talk about some cameras and some camera equipment. Oh my God, dude. Okay. I'm going to talk about something very vague in general at first. And then I'm going to talk about like actual specific things. Mm -hmm. Sony is taking the camera game to a new level and they're out innovating Canon. Yeah. There is no way when you were looking at those booths and you were looking at the professional level cameras, Sony is killing it right yeah. now. Yeah. Sony has, they're smaller, they're a little bit cheaper, uh, they're really well made, and uh, they really stole the show from Canon, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I think anecdotally going into this, I knew that all of my friends that are photographers and really care about their equipment and their, their rig and all that, they've huge number of them have just fled from the Canon and the Nikon world, but mainly the Canon world, and gone. they're all buying those mirrorless Sonys. Right. Like, I don't know the, the, what the name on it. Yeah, but I don't remember it off the top of my head either. Like crazy for, and it's only getting the best feedback. And I, I, as soon as we got to the booths, that was readily apparent of Sony was definitely dominating, yeah. and Canon just felt like they were kind of on cruise control. Well, and here's the big thing, and this is something I'm, I want to get to in more detail. But the whole camera game is changing. And I know it's been changing for years since, mm -hmm. like, the invention of the digital camera. <laughs> uh, but now the smartphone is truly replacing the DSLR, yeah, which is crazy. So one of the innovations I want to talk about is the DJI Osmo handheld gimbal camera stabilizer. That was a mouthful. But what it is is you can hook your smartphone up to it, and then it has a uh, gimlet with a uh, camera on it that you can then shoot from. Uh, so think of it as like a, a selfie stick, but much more self-aware of its own surroundings. Right. And it's made by DJI, which is the same company that makes, they're like the Apple of drones. So they right. make the phantom drone that a lot of you guys have. So imagine you take that gimbal that hangs off the bottom of your drone that keeps your, your camera steady and just put that on the end of a selfie stick. And right. that's what this Osmo, this Osmo is. O-S-M-O, if you're trying to look it up. It was, yeah, I, I, the, the shots that people had on them and the video that was coming out of it, shot on a selfie stick looked like it was shot on a massive, like, full-body steady camera. Oh, totally. And, of course, you know, if you got an iPhone 6S, you're shooting at 4K. So you're shooting at the same level of quality that a lot of these um, new cameras have. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the big problem is, like, oh, my lens selection and all that kind of stuff. But another big area of innovation that I saw at CES is uh, all those external lenses that you can add to your phone. Yeah. One of them being the exo lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you check this thing out? Now, uh, right now, we have... Oh, I'm sorry, Brad. What is the name of the lens? That is an... Uh, the, the, if you're watching us on Periscope, Periscope we're yep. using an Allo clip, O-L-L-O, -O, um, that has yeah, kind of been... The, they've been in, the, in yeah. the game for a while. Really nice. But, yeah, there's a huge number of ones that give you more than just a, here's a wide angle and here's a fisheye. Right, exactly. Like, you can recreate the look of a 50 millimeter lens. You can get that nice bokeh effect. You can do all sorts of things that you weren't able to do with um, a smartphone before. 
between that and like a handheld uh, camera stabilizer, we're getting into this world where it's a lot easier to produce content with your smartphone. And I hate like all the people who are like, well, if I got a smartphone in my pocket, that means I'm a cameraman. Yeah. But sadly, old timers like me who know how to use a Canon are less and less relevant. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's kind of the, you know, it's, it's I think... Depending on who you're asking, it's either this is the greatest thing ever for storytelling and content capture or the sky is falling and we're all going to lose our jobs. Right. Um, but I think it's really just the opportunities opportunities you get when the, you're not held back on what you can capture because you don't have the equipment on you. Right. Like, I, I, like we went to CES. I took my very nice you know, mirrorless camera with intentions of capturing stuff on the floor. And I forgot it was even in my bag right. until I was packing to come home. Right. Because I used my iPhone the entire time. Right. And I was happy with the results. Um, so well, I think it's cut out that whole center section of cameras. You definitely still need those professional level cameras. If we're talking to reds, like cinema quality stuff. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. I mean, that is worth it time and time again. I don't know if a smartphone will ever replace that style of right. camera, but it's those middle tier prosumer level stuff, like a Canon 6D. Right. I don't know. I like my 6D. Uh, I like the lens selection I have with it, but I can see in five years from now that camera being completely irrelevant. Right. Or just think about all the soccer moms that have bought Rebels in the last five right. years. The those Rebel Ready is kind of pointless. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> so you get all those, and it's I, there are a lot of people. Why spend five hundred dollars to get my mom a Rebel when she already has an iPhone six plus? Right. Why not buy her just you know spend a hundred dollars on a nice lens or get yeah. her a nice case for it and stuff yeah. like that and show her which apps to use. I yeah. think that, that it just kind of, yeah, it levels that playing field. I'm super excited about it. And now it feels like all, now that the the image capabilities of the actual device, the phone, yeah. now basically all the stuff we're attaching to it. Cool right. mounts. ExoLens makes a shoulder mount for it and everything. So you right. can really, it was such a novelty. I remember maybe a couple of years ago, like, ooh, look, here's a whole short film shot on an iPhone 5. And now it's like, that there's no novelty or gimmick to that. It's no. like, no, you could on a 6S Plus right. especially. Yeah, totally. Um, those things outperform Nikon and Canon uh, SLRs all the time. So yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I also called out um, Steadicam. They have the Smoothie Universal smartphone mount. All these Steadicams, which is kind of the big way to shoot right now. Uh, if you think about handheld and stuff, usually it's on a Steadicam of some sort. Right. Uh, there's a whole plethora of different tools you can use now for your smartphone. And I thought that that was very, very interesting. But I want to move on to another form of video capture, and that's in the form of drones. 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 They were everywhere. It's my favorite thing about you walk on the CES floor and you just suddenly come to an area where it almost looked like there were a bunch of ball pits from a McDonald's play place out there because there's just <laughs> all these massive nets and the booths where people could kind of, they were like little uh, like fighting rings for drones. You had people demoing and they wouldn't let you fly them, of course, but they would definitely let uh, uh, the their kind of their uh, pilots, I guess, would show you all the cool features. They had a drone that a human being could fit into. It was the Ehang 184. Ooh. This is the first drone that has uh, been uh, consumer ready that a human can sit in. It looked like a. The Pope like, Mobile. Yeah. If you put, took like a smart car <laughs> and then put four arms coming out of it, it's just like a normal quadcopter you would see, except for instead of just having the blades on the top, it also had them on the bottom. So mm -hmm. it was like an eight blade thing. Uh, there was a, it was probably one of the biggest groups I saw all week was standing around this thing. It wasn't moving. It was just spinning around on like a lazy Susan as people took pictures of it. Yeah. I have not seen video of it flying yet with a person in it. I'm kind of, you know, quadcopters get like a real crazy lean to them. Yeah. They really like, they'll go up on 45 degree angles if they're moving forward and stuff. So I think it would be a totally different experience of flying something like that. But yeah. 
Well, I want to talk about Lily. Yes, Lily. Did you did you check out Lily? Yes, a little. more. I know you did because I was there with you. A little <laughs> more realistic for something we can actually have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's so cool about Lily is basically how this drone works is you can put a sensor into your pocket and the drone follows you around. It can keep the camera locked on you at all times. So uh, if you're someone who's into extreme sports, you can be snowboarding down a mountain and have a drone follow you and get a beautiful shot that you have predetermined what it would look like. Now, I think that this is amazing because it also has implications on um, a camera crew in general, right? Right. There's all sorts of spots that we can now hit and ways we could shoot that you couldn't do before. The same way the GoPro has kind of revolutionized the wide shot, uh, the Lily will do that when you're trying to get a wide shot outside and there's nowhere to mount anything. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's just amazing. Yeah, it's like a third, or it's a, it's an extra cameraman yeah. always. Yeah. You can always just throw it out there. It has tons of cool settings where if you're, they kind of, you can tell the original marketing is they're gearing it towards action sports. Mm -hmm. You're going to go snowboard down a hill, throw it up there, you click one button, it will follow you. You click another button, it will just do loops around you as you go down the hill. You can have it track in front of you. You can have a chase. So I, I think that that's really neat of... It is a an, an autonomous cameraman that you can throw up in the air and have do whatever you want. Right. The other thing, it's also super duper cute. It's like the cutest drone yeah, that there is. It's got a little smiley face it's, on the front of it. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. that? Anamorpha. What's the word where you add like human? Anamorphs? That, yeah. that old book? <laughs> yes. There's a word for Tobias that. Tobias was a hawk. Uh, he got stuck as a hawk <laughs> because he stayed in his animal form for too long. This is a deep cut. Yes. I'm sorry. Lily used to be a, just a, a small little troll doll. But now, <laughs> now it's a drone camera. But, uh, it met an alien in a field somewhere. And, <laughs> oh, God. This is all getting edited out. L-I-L-Y dot camera is the website. So that's also great. Great URL. Um, but that's pretty cool. They were really hinting mm -hmm. at it last year. I think they announced it this summer. But now to actually see them on the floor, see them flying around, and see them getting ready for the mainstream, I think yeah. is super exciting. So those are, I think that's the world that we're moving towards. I can easily see within the next, you know, 18 months. Right. The biggest thing for Christmas is we're going to be, you know, those micro drones that everybody's getting that's about the, you know, the size of a checkbook for Christmas that are 50 bucks now that have cameras on them. I think we're getting really close to those being able to fly and hover above you and just watch. Yeah. So I'm, so, you know, Periscope is really cool right now, but imagine Periscope was my drone following me as I'm walking to work and live streaming it. And that's so close. That's what that, that's what's super exciting to see this kind of following an autonomous uh, software. Yeah, it's equal parts interesting. Plus, everyone's going to see how boring your life actually is. <laughs> exactly. I love that my first example was watch me walk, walk to, to work. work. It's, it's like, hey, look at that. Brad's on Madison again. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> my life is just full of excitement. Yeah. Uh, um, small transition here. So far, we've been talking about video in the context of flat video, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like the video that we're used to seeing. Something we talked about in the last episode of The Deviance is 360 video and immersive experiences. Now, that's something that is huge at CES this year. Yeah, I think virtual reality and augmented reality, if you want to throw those all together, because I think there's so much gray area in between them um, nowadays, they, that was definitely, the, they stole the show. Uh, every booth, whether it was the, you know, there were the, the major players. So Facebook owns Oculus. Oculus had their own booth. They were Oculus developer kits, I feel like, at every booth that had yeah. virtual reality. That's what, that's what they were running off of. You also saw a huge presence from Samsung and their gear headsets, um, Google Cardboard, so a lot of Android-based stuff. Yeah. Um, which is really, there were even a lot of, it was interesting to watch brands, like a Whirlpool was handing out free Google Cardboard headsets. Um, I don't know what the content was that they were trying to get you to watch. I don't have an Android phone. So that's an interesting kind of constraint on virtual reality right now is 
it's weirdly more available, unlike most technologies, for the Android platform than it is for iOS. Yeah, Android's open source, so you can develop against Android um, the platform all you want, whereas Apple, you're going to have to get it approved, and you're going to have to right. give them 30% of everything you do. Yep. Uh, it's actually hurting Apple. Right. You could tell, even at this whole event, you know, obviously, Apple doesn't go to CES. Right. And I was like looking around, I was like, man, all of these manufacturers are way out innovating Apple right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it was a weird kind of feeling of like Apple's not here and it's, they're not really missed either. Right. Um, yeah. And they play a slightly different game. But I, it, it was really interesting to see the, the week before CES started, the Oculus went officially on sale for consumers. So a lot of these people that did have them there were in that initial developer group. Right. Um, so so the, the things for me with VR was, one, it didn't really feel like... And, and granted, I didn't get to consume as much content as I wanted to because if there's one guarantee at CES, it's ridiculous lines to do anything <laughs> that is at all fun. Yeah, <laughs> so it's true. You want to test drive the new like electric car from Chevy, just like you might as well camp out. It's yeah. like... Uh, so I didn't get, really get to consume much VR content that really kind of blew me away. Um, but the caveat with that is these are the hardware people, not the software. This is not Comic-Con. This is not a place where the producers and the publishers are out sharing their wares. This is one step before that. These are the, the people with the wires and the screens and the LCD so you can actually see it. Yeah, because that is one comment I would love to make is a lot of the things we were looking at in these immersive experiences weren't very interesting. Right. Uh, you're like standing in the middle of a field. And, yeah. And it, w- it looked beautiful, but as far as storytelling in an immersive environment is concerned, we haven't figured that out yet. And right. I think that that's the job of people like you and myself. Yep. It, you know, the engineers figure out the hard part. You can literally put me in the middle of a field. Exactly. Now let's tell a story about that field and make it interesting. But that is what's so awesome about virtual reality. If you haven't had the chance to put on any kind of headset like this, it doesn't matter if it's a really good one. Just put one on and play with it for a little while. Uh, there was a booth that NASA did that was great, and we put on an Oculus headset and I swear, the graphics were no better than a Nintendo 64. Like, they were not good. They were blocky. You could see the lines. Um, but even with that, I could put it on and immediately feel like I was on a tower, mm-hmm. 10 stories in the air, and got a little bit... I felt my throat all of a sudden. My palms got a little bit right. sweaty. And that was from... It just even with really crappy, not realistic graphics, it was enough to trick my brain into thinking that I had teleported. That's powerful. So that, I think right now, is the kind of land rush to everybody to get out there. So you've got Oculus, the main players, Samsung, and all of the people that are kind of um, leveraging just the LCD on an Android phone. One of the big names that was there this year, it was HTC coming out with their Vive platform. They've been hinting at this for a long time. It's kind of a, they all look the same. They all look like you're taking a a shoe and putting it on your eyes. And (laughs) um, But the Vive is kind of HTC's, angle um, to go right up against the Oculus for the kind of higher-end platform. They're not just building the headset. They're building a platform for people to develop against. It's really cool looking. I didn't get to play with one. I did hear a lot of people are really pushing a lot towards saying that the quality and the resolution of the Vive versus an Oculus are almost identical with the um, Vive having a little bit bigger frame. It's taller, actually. The screen that you're seeing, your field of view is slightly taller um, than the Oculus. Small differences, but people were really excited about just to get their hands on with that. Yeah. Um, I think another, just staying on that clip of like different ways to consume this stuff, you know, last year, I feel like the, one of the biggest kind of womp womps of the last couple of years has been Google Glass. You know, yeah. everybody was going to be the coolest thing. And then everybody that started wearing them started getting like beat in the streets and just like, <laughs> yeah, glass holes. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's what they were that. called. Total glass, glass holes. holes. Yeah. So, 
But what's interesting is they kind of pulled back from that. You haven't heard anything for about the last six months at least. And now suddenly you're hearing a lot about Google's really going after that kind of industrial B2B space. Yeah. This is not for a consumer to check out their Yelp or to go check out their Instagram profile or to update their Snapchat for the Google Glass. This is for people that are doing work, who need that extra utility, who need that as an extra set of hands to make themselves smarter and better at their jobs. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited for with augmented reality is the B2B application of it. Yep. Uh, we talked about this I guess this was at Social Deviant, um, about how they were showing how an electrician could use augmented reality to help them figure out the wiring of a home. Yeah. And it would call out certain hotspots and call out where a transformer was, all sorts of electric uh, electrical stuff that I don't understand. Right. But an electrician would, and yeah. they would know exactly where it is because they could like map the blueprint to the augmented reality. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, and it's going to be a big game changer within the industries. Totally. I mean, just build it into a helmet. I think that was called, that was from Intel. That was called the, I can't, I'm going to just completely miss it, but the Dacry smart helmet, spelled mm. D-A-Q-R-I. It was exactly that. Put it on, and, you know, you're looking at a, you're at a construction site, and you're looking, and just imagine the blueprints and the schematics are just printed there, and so you can see it. It'll tell you what nozzle you need to check and how much you need to turn it. So just think about all the people that, kind of their entire jobs involve them having schematics memorized mechanics yeah uh, it's just anything like that where where uh, an amount of precision is needed and right now what it means is you probably send two people to do the jobs that can check each other but now someone else could do it as one person because they have this kind of te technological aid yeah absolutely uh it's like the terminator but for good <laughs> right? Instead of understanding, I guess it could be used in a military application as well. Oh my God, I just blew my own mind. But in like the Terminator, it really is. Like you can identify where guns were. That's exactly what it is. Oh my God. We did see. <laughs> the future is now. Well, I love it because that's, that was the funny. That was where all the cool stuff was happening was like the boring helmet for the construction worker versus we did play with that. That was also in the Intel booth the like heads up display for uh, paintball players. Yeah. Um, which is cool in practice. The actual thing itself was kind of Yeah, shanky. not that cool. No, the yeah. screen was very, very small. Um, but just thinking about how do you put up, I, I keep calling them heads up display because video games, like right. that's what they are. I, I want a mini map in my world. And that <laughs> that's what Google Glass promised. But I now I think we're, we're finally going to get over the hill to where we're actually going to start seeing some of those things being delivered. Right, right. Well, we have talked about this Far longer than we intended to. So always, we should move on to the worst part of CES. The worst. Yeah. So I think we will. We will. We're gonna go run through our. I think the four biggest fails uh, in my book that happened at CES, and then we're gonna end it on a happy note. And I'm gonna give you my favorite thing that I saw from a brand at CES. And uh, this is a surprise for me, right? yeah, because exactly. we haven't actually talked about this surprise favorite thing from a brand. Dun dun dun! Uh, I have one, uh, but I well, don't even know if it's worth it. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think the worst is like the, just the the preponderance of the the if there were if there were trends that were good like augmented reality and cool cameras, and there were like memes that were bad like connected homes. I feel like connected homes. Have been we've been talking about that for fifteen years, yeah. and it's like how many different ways can we add a screen to a refrigerator, and then they just incrementally change it every year. And it's like no, but this time you can order Instacart, and it's like eventually, I feel like a decade from now, I might actually get a refrigerator I want to plug in to an Ethernet cable, but I'm still not there. Right, it's not actually doing anything for me until it like I open up the refrigerator and it's cooked me my meal. Until it's like Back to the Future style pizza, that's it's 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 just it's a buzzword. Smart homes. 
Same with kind of, I feel like, the Internet of Things and the quantified self. Yes. Fitbits everywhere. It's great. They're all cool, but they're still just incrementally improving on what they did last year. Right, exactly. It's a lot of more of the same. Right. It's how many different versions of a Fitbit do we really need? Right. This is what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Like, There's that product that's innovative, and then there's a hundred others behind it that are the exact same thing, maybe a little cheaper, maybe a little extra whiz-bang, but it's very, very similar. I heard it put the best way, I think, is right now we're kind of in this spot in the year 2016 with technology where there's like this new coming wave of platforms and technologies that we're kind of getting hints at, but they're all in their adolescence. So driverless cars, they're badass, but I kind of don't even trust them yet. You know, right. they're way better when they're parked or you're watching them on a YouTube video. Same thing with virtual reality. Like we're saying, the headsets are finally getting out there, but the content's lagging behind. Connected homes. Yes, we can give the internet to my washing machine, but now what the hell does it do with that? Um, and so I think there's all these different things that were... Orders your laundry detergent <laughs> off Amazon. Exactly. We're like one step too early. And so I think the next uh, couple of years, we'll start seeing some of these things actually delivering on the promise that they're promising today. Um, so with all that said, that is just a way for me, a long way for me to intro to talk about that they had a connected belt. Yeah. Oh my God. Pa it was Pat's favorite thing. No. Uh, <laughs> I just saw this connected belt and I was like, on what planet... Do I need my belt communicating information about my diet and my health? Yeah. It's uh, like, do you, do you really need your belt to text message you to tell you that it's feeling tight? I'm yeah, pretty sure, sure like the red band around your belly is telling you that exact same <laughs> exactly. thing. Exactly. The fact that you're uncomfortable at the end of the day is, yeah. is all the technology you need. And then what do you do if the batteries in your belt run out? <laughs> yeah, I just, it's, just, it's just so absurd to me that we need a connected belt. It's like, oh, yeah, my pants are connected. Like, are we going to connect every article of clothing? It doesn't have any sort of real function. And you can tell these are, are companies looking to get funding to try something new, and I'm all for that. But once we're in a world where it's like, hey, I got a, I got a connected, you oh know, connected jock strap, you're yeah. like, all right, come on. Well, I will see your connected belt and raise you with the first, or the, the, yeah, the first response let me get the full name. The first response connected pregnancy test. Ugh. It's called the Pregnancy Pro Digital Pregnancy Test and App Access. This is a this is a, a pregnancy test, exactly what you're picturing in your mind, but it has Bluetooth <laughs> and a sister app which you get, and it will basically rather than showing you one line or two, it just I guess does an animation on the app. You know what's horrible about that is a you know a lot of times being pregnant is a pretty private thing, at least. Uh, for the first trimester. Right. The other thing is, remember all those problems people had with photo stream and stuff where they would like take a picture and it would show up on their Apple TV? Oh my God. Imagine like a teenage girl using a connected pregnancy test and then it's like broadcasted out to her whole family. No, seriously. Like, I mean, that's, think that's the world. The serious repercussions of Ashley Madison getting hacked. Now right. imagine if a year from now the first response database gets hacked and it's not just all, I mean, think about it. Every woman that's taken a pregnancy test within the last six months. Yeah, I, I don't know why that exists other than first response really wanted a booth at CBS yeah. this year. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and me, yeah, why does it exist, man? I don't know. We don't understand the practical application of these things. And maybe we're just, you know, hating on it a little too early and it needs a little more time to I, incubate. But it's a, it's a very know. common and I think something you have to tell yourself in technology and in what we do and all this is like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. It's like, just because your Bluetooth sensor is so small that you can put it in anything doesn't mean that it needs to go in everything. Um, I think another another kind of interesting thing was consumer electronics. We're talking about cameras. We're talking about virtual reality. We're talking about this and the just total 
face plant that GoPro has taken over the last oh, two weeks. Yeah. They didn't really have much of a presence at the, I think they had a couple booths. The ones that I walked by just seemed like it, it was just a bunch of GoPros. You know, they didn't have anything extra. They weren't showing any more technology. I feel for them because I, you know that they're developing a 360 camera. They're developing stuff to be able to capture these virtual reality experiences, but it's not ready yet. You can tell that, that they didn't have anything new to show at the booth, so they, but they still had to have one because they are kind of the, the market leaders. The CEO did go on the stage during, um, Google, during YouTube's keynote and to talk about GoPro is partnering with YouTube in order to make sure that as these new kinds of video, virtual reality and stuff like that comes to be, GoPro will be on the forefront and making sure that the software is there to support what's being created by the creatives. But all that being said, then, you know, just a few days ago, they came out with their uh, Christmas sales, their last quarter versus sales, which were horrible. Their stock went down from, I think, in the hundreds to down into the 20s. They're laying off like almost 10% of their workforce. So it's really interesting to see this kind of fall from grace for who last year was like the the reigning champion right. of, of non-SLR cameras. It's, it's kind of like what happened to Groupon. Right, mm-hmm. where they definitely innovated the idea of action cameras. Not Groupon, GoPro did. Yes, but you know this action camera. But the action camera is something that's easy to replicate. Yeah, like everybody has an action camera now, so you have to continuously out innovate your competitors. And GoPro has not been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, even Kodak had a booth where they were showing off their kind of their approach um, for a 360 camera. And I mean, it was, it, it looked a little bloated. It looked like it was a, a first swag. I feel for at Kodak. It. Yeah. I feel for them. But even Kodak had that. <laughs> they, yeah. they had that. And GoPro didn't have anything. So it just, it was, it's really interesting to watch a company that innovating, innovating, innovating. And then all of a sudden, they're just kind of table stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're playing catch up to that. That being said, they still kill it in the content game. So it's, it's not, it's not the death of GoPro. I think this year will just be interesting to watch as they kind of refresh their line. Yeah. All right, Brad, are you going to hit me with that brand that killed it, or do you got one more thing? So I got one more interesting thing. The last point I'll okay. make about the interesting, what CES is, is, is we were, so you'd be walking down, you see these major booths from a Samsung or a Sony, the major players, the people you know, and then you turn a corner, and suddenly it's like you're in the backwaters of the technology world. Companies with long, long names, um, usually from somewhere overseas, who you could tell the deals that were happening were like, hey, you see this thing that these guys are making legitimately? Could you make the knockoff version right. of this? I think the best example were, you know, we saw the hoverboards everywhere. <laughs> I broke a booth. Pat, I broke two booths while I was there, by Pat the way. terrified some people and broke a booth. He also did a sweet spin move on one of those hoverboards. <laughs> I am not built for a hoverboard. I don't know how to do it. I'm like those grandmas who keep Cracking their heads open. The place to get your first uh, stab at a hoverboard is not on a showroom floor surrounded by hundreds of people. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that was proven. Um, so there's a company called One Wheel who, they don't do the hoverboard like you're probably thinking in your brain where they're the two wheels and you lean forward. This one is the one big wheel that almost looks like a NASCAR tire that then has the skateboard around it. Right. Um, so they came out with that. They kickstarted it. They got it back. They've got patents on it. They heard coming into CES that there was going to be a company selling a knockoff version of theirs, which is why those hoverboards took off. One guy did a Kickstarter. Everybody saw the idea. A bunch of uh, Chinese um, engineers decided to get it out on the market quickly, and that's why there's a million different names of them, and there's a million different levels of quality. So one wheel contacted the federal marshals in America and said, hey, we got these guys. They're coming in here. Definite IP issues. And so the federal marshal showed up on the first day of show and confiscated that entire booth's worth of stuff, wow. shut them down, said That's you can't awesome. do this. Um, and it was a it was a really power move by one wheel. They're like, look, 
they were having so many problems with the hoverboards, the other kind of hoverboards, people, all these rumors, you know, all these people talking about them catching on fire. We don't want that to be associated with our style. So it's interesting to see a company just take it right on, something that was happening all over the show floor, I feel like. Um, so yeah, t- g- good job, One Wheel. Um, please give me one for free. <laughs> all right. So is this a big moment? This is a big moment. You're going to tell me what a brand did that's phenomenal? My favorite thing, and as soon as I say it, Pat's going to know because we talked about it. Oh, so I'm of just forgetful. <laughs> all of them, of all of the brands that I thought did something fun was Lean Cuisine. Oh, yeah. There you go. Lean Cuisine has no reason to be at CES. They don't make electronics. They do not. They make Lean Cuisines. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Lean Cuisine, as they did this really cool thing that they, they 3D printed. They partnered with an engineering company. They 3D printed this box that you plug into your TV, you plug into your cable box, and it's basically an ad blocker, but it's not for all ads. It just blocks any kind of ad or programming that mentions dieting. They're trying to say, dieting, let's get that out of our vocabulary. Eating healthy is a lifestyle. It's not, it's not restricting yourself from stuff. So as part of that, they made this box. They sent it out to all these different influencers, uh, got those people to use them and share their stories with them. So it was kind of gimmicky. But then they go to CES. They show off the technology behind it. They show off, look how we use 3D printers. It gives them a reason to be at a show like this. Then they also added it with people online. You could download a Chrome extension for your web browser, and it would do the same thing. Anybody on Twitter, your friends that are talking about dieting, Facebook talking about uh, you know, doing their Weight Watcher points, it just completely blocks all that stuff out. So it's cool to see them do, you know, spend a little bit of money and do some research and development and build a product, something they don't do, um, and then take that and use that as a surrogate in a way to get into a, uh, talk to a community that you wouldn't be able to talk to, and then also kind of expand that to provide some cool utility to people that are not there. Yeah. So I just really thought that it, is I, super cool. It's a great idea. Right. Uh, it's a great, it's right in line with the brand. That's a really cool way for a brand to use um, an innovative technique to really stand out, get themselves some PR. It was really cool. Yeah. I, I, I just absolutely loved it. So I just, I just wanted to, End on something that was weird, lean cuisine, and but good after kind of like it's like a palate cleanser after talking about connected pregnancy tests. <laughs> you know what I want to end on? Yes. I want to talk about your blackjack game. Ooh, oh man, I murdered it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Brad doesn't need a rule book. I'll tell you that no. much. No, uh, Brad walked out of there with some money in his pocket. Yeah, I heard there were, it. I heard there were rules to blackjack, and that was after I played blackjack for a long time. <laughs> I played by the rules and I lost money. So who wrote the rule book? You know, who yeah, cares? Not me. Play like Brad Eschbach. Yeah, you go to Vegas and come back not losing all your money. I mean, it's a good trip. Mm-hmm. So, and I also got some like free rechargeable batteries from a booth. So, like, I'm coming hey, out boom. on top. Profit. <laughs> trip worth it. All right, man. Well, this was great. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. CES was cool. I recommend going to everybody listening. Check it out at least one time. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'd like to ask you guys, uh, one, did you go to CES? What did you like? What did you hate? And two, uh, where are you headed in the next three months? Like what conferences are you at? Where should we go? Um, and what do you think, what are you looking forward to in 2016? Uh, uh, you know, both on the software side, the hardware side, technology in general, where do you think it's worth for us to spend our time? And maybe we'll meet up with you there. Yeah. So you can hit us up at social deviant, uh, we're on Facebook, the internet, you know, all those places. All the places. Or you can hit me up, Pat O'Rourke, at Pat Likes to Tweet, or all the other places, but my name is Pat O'Rourke. Yeah, Brad Eschbach. I am BB Brad. That's Brad with three Bs on all of the platforms. Uh, so, yeah, come say hello. Let us know what you thought about the show. For those of you guys watching on Periscope, thank you. Hello. Thank you again. We're waving. Yep. 
that's it. Thanks, Pat. Uh, I think episode two of The Deviants is in the bag. Yeah, me too. Did we have a sign-off catchphrase? I love sign-off catchphrases. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, oh, God, no. I don't have anything off the top of my no, head. No, I know. Like, uh, uh, take it to the streets. Yeah, taking it to the streets. <laughs>